All right, Kev, let's get this shit over with. I am in a I am in some mood tonight. Um for those of you who did not see the pregame pregame talk just now, uh I've been banished to another room in my house because my wife is recording her podcast at the same time as me. I'm currently sitting at approximately an 84 degree angle uh from from straight up to fit my microphone. Um I'm in a dark room. Um but aside from all of that, uh, my playoff betting record in the NFL currently sits at a scintillating one and eleven after last night's games. And Kev, I did not tell you this story. Um, I did not tell our group text this story because I couldn't handle what may happen next. Um, but I originally had the Niners minus seven in last night's game. Um, I felt good about that. Uh, and then Detroit got off to a fourteen nothing lead. And I checked the live betting, and I saw that Detroit to win the game was negative 105, so basically even money. Uh, at that point, with the uh, Lions up 14-0 with the ball, uh, the game going how it had gone, um, I put all of my remaining money on Detroit's money line um, at that moment. Uh, we all know how the game turned out. Um I lost both bets, obviously, in the only possible way that I could lose both bets, which is just impressive. Uh, that is not to say that I was still going to sneak out a, li- uh, a Niners cover late in that game. I will also say that Dan Campbell screwed me uh, with just the Detroit money line. But to lose all of that sitting at 1-10 and 10, and to bring it to 1-11, and 11, just picking the ga- like the original game straight up is a run that will never be duplicated, I don't think. Um, and I just want to sort of congratulate myself for saving, you know, my coldest stretch of a cold season uh, for when it matters most. So thanks to me. Uh, very impressive stuff. If you'd like to fade me for the Super Bowl, I'm already all over the Niners. Uh, so just go ahead and cash those Chiefs tickets right now. Uh, and when that happens, that will be uh, a 1-13 playoff. And that will also be the worst day of my life if Mahomes gets this next Super Bowl. So um, with all of that said, uh, how do you react to that? Yeah, that's uh, it's an impressive record. I want to go back all the way to the intro. Um, Ed is sitting in his sunroom right now. If you're if you are a true fan of this podcast, you know that this sunroom has actually been referenced in an episode before. Um, so if you know that reference and you know that episode, then, then you are a true fan of the surviving golf podcast. Um, and I will leave it at that. Uh, yeah, impressive record. Um, it's sometimes equally as impressive to be historically bad, uh, as it is to be historically good. Um, isn't that what it is? It's just, you're going to be either right or wrong in every single game and to be right. on a one in 13 or one or 13 and one. It's just impressive to flip the coin and pick heads that many times out of 14, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Or to just know yeah. nothing about football. Uh, yeah. Either one. Well, there's one thing I would say. Yeah, okay. So the the double bet in the Niners-Lions game is a tough one to stomach. Um, you know, you I know we've been friends for a long time, and you always use the phrase uh, regression to the mean. And I think in those two scenarios, you bought high on both teams and uh, it came back to bite you and and you ended up losing both. It's always a dangerous play to place an original bet and have that one 
not go well and then take the other side because there it's like the reverse middle obviously you can always lose both and yep in the worst of scenarios that happens um but i get it like that line i feel like they were trying to entice and trap people who had bet on the 49ers originally to just say like you know yeah we're gonna give you throw this kind of like soft line up there and see if we can get some some money on detroit and uh and that's what happened i guess but Really dominating the freaking game, though. I can't even like. Yeah. I can't believe. And I sort of had a had a chat with somebody else about this. I know Detroit is not going to fire Dan Campbell this off season, but I believe, like, regardless of how exceptional you are at your job, like, there's a mistake big enough that it should cost you your job. Uh, I can't think of any like any super examples that are exactly the same as Dan Campbell, but like Ime Udoka was. A vet, like one of the best coaches in the league, and even he can lose his job over doing something so stupid. Uh, and his obviously off the court, off the field, so not ex- not a direct one to one parallel. Um, but like the Falcons coach should have lost his job after twenty eight three, uh, and Dan Campbell last night should have lost his job over what he did in that game. And here's where I sort of I'm not I'm not against all of his aggression. I don't know how going into the half from the three yard line on fourth down, you kick a field goal uh, to go up 17 to or 17 to nothing at the half. If I remember correctly, sorry, 21 to 24. So they were up 21, not 21, whatever to go up 24. I think it was 24 nil, maybe 21, 24, seven, but either way to not go for it in that scenario where the Niners aren't going to get the ball back to drive up the field. You could basically put the game out of reach if if you get 28 right there, uh, to not not go for it then, and then to go for it in a spot where you're up two possessions, you can go up three possessions with like six minutes left in a football game, was insane to me. I don't super have an issue with the other crazy ones. Um, running the ball on the goal line when you need to have all your timeouts is absurd. But I don't think there's like even two sides that I think pretty much everybody's pretty much unanimously like on that boat. But I've seen a lot of like pro analytics, anti-analytics, Twitter, like talking about it. I just didn't like the Dan Campbell consistency. And I truly felt like all of those decisions as a whole cost the better team, the football game. So I feel like I got jobbed on both of those bets. Like the uh, San Fran was better to begin with. They were up 10 super late in the game with Detroit driving like, to not hit either one of those was was devastating. And I feel bad for Detroit. Like, I know Detroit's probably happy to be where they are after their franchise history, but to lose in that fashion just has to be ultra, ultra uh, a hurting, like, for them. Yeah, I, I guess um, I don't really know what to think about Dan Campbell. I think when you, when you get into that, like, sort of mindset and, and the his coaching style and, and how he – chooses to run things he he obviously is so much on the side of like aggression obviously and 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 always going with the aggressive play and i just wonder like when it comes down to crunch time and he has to make another decision like that is he actually thinking about what does decision is correct for the team or is he just saying well like i'm aggressive i've always so done right because because yeah. like if you change your mind there and all of a sudden get conservative and then it doesn't work yeah it almost looks worse because then you're like, well, you don't have belief in yourself and who you are and 
you just flip-flopped and it was the wrong decision. So almost for the sake of just like being like, nope, this is what I'm going to do. Um, but I think you got to be willing to be, I guess, be wrong sometimes and, and switch things up and, and not always, it's not always the right play to, to be ultra aggressive, I don't think. And, and it, it's going to, it's going to pay off a lot of times, but it's also going to cost you games. I, I feel like it's at, at certain points and, and I go back and forth with the, I don't think it's, it's truly the right decision to always go by the numbers and the analytics either with you. Um, just because I think I'm, I'm just a big, big proponent of like eye test and, and, and sort of gut feeling when, when, when it, mat- when it's prudent to do that, I think. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's, like you said, Detroit has to be happy just given their the last however many years of their franchise to to get where they had to be. But man, they when they went up like that in that game, I I I was like, well, they're just going to be Super Bowl champs, I guess. It just seemed like they were like so dominant early on. You know, it was just crazy, crazy to watch that. And um, yeah, I feel bad for them too. I I, I think they they really could have had it this year. Um, and it was unfortunate to see them go down like that. I, would, I was really rooting for him. You and I discussed it, you know, earlier. I didn't really ultra care who who won that game. I already kind of had a bad taste in my mouth from the Chiefs game. So I was really just hoping for a good contest. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. Um, I, I hope – I don't know. Have you, have you seen any uh, early lines? On, I don't even know. Minus two. I grabbed San Fran at minus two last night right after the game two when they made that only. line. Two yeah, only. Sure. If it's going to stay under a field goal, I wanted that right away. I was also very emotional, um, just angry about everything. So I was like, you know what? Fuck this. Like, I'm just going, I'm going hard on San Fran, reload the account, empty it back out and try to make it all up. Um, you, uh, you did a good job taking the words right out of my mouth in terms of the analytics and all that. I'm not like, I don't think it's correct. If you're not dealing with a straight mathematical equation, like I think like blackjack, for example, like there is a way to play blackjack because it's simply math and probability and whatnot. I feel like football, you can you can let numbers influence you, but I don't think you can ever just take things in a vacuum because there's so much other stuff going on. Like, how is the game going? What does your offense look like? What have you been playing? What's the momentum like? Is it the playoffs? Like, I feel like in the playoffs, you have to be like a little more conservative just because points are at such a premium, uh, especially late in the game. Um, And I feel like everybody, uh, at least on like ESPN and on Twitter, is like an all or nothing thing. Either like you're going for it and you're for the numbers and your analytics, or you're like this old school, like hardo football coach that's super conservative. And I think the best coaches are just both of those things like that there's a time and a place for both of those mentalities. And I just, like I said, six ish minutes left in the fourth quarter in a game that you are dominating, taking a three possession lead, like would have been gigantic in my view. Um, and and I, I also think like you're up 14, you can get to 17 or you can drive and get to 21, but either way there's three possessions there. So like the risk reward for me is just not worth it for what was going to be like, I think a 46 yard field goal or something, but who knows? I am, I am happy. Cause I will say um, if a team's going to beat the chiefs and that's the number one like mission of these playoffs, um, I'm happy at San Fran. I would not have liked uh, a Jared Goff, um, Patrick Mahomes quarterback matchup and an Andy Reed, Dan Campbell matchup. So I'm happy. We got Shanahan. We got, I'm not going to call it Brock Purdy, but just every single other person on that offense against Mahomes. 
And I like, like I said, I grabbed San Fran early. I don't know how that line's not going to jump up a little bit as we go up later in the week, but we shall see. Yeah, that's a, a great comparison with the blackjack, the whole blackjack thing. Yeah, any anytime I've ever played blackjack, I've always gone by what the well, what what I think the correct like mathematical decision. I'm not like a super expert, but I think I know like generally I know what the right what the book would say is the right play, and, and I feel like you just have to go with that, right? Because you're not, I'm not foolish enough to think that I have a better sense of right. which cards are going to come out like, or, or anything like that. But I wonder in the NFL with analytics, and I'm sure they probably take a lot into account. But I don't know, like, time of game, uh, opponent hit, like, what's happened previously in the game in terms of what you're trying to run and 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 how they've stopped it, how many timeouts right. you have left, what, right. like, where right. are you, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many factors and intangibles and, and like, yeah, like, okay, if, if we're going to go, like, you know, what have we, what have we run? How have they, how have right. they stopped us? And that, you know, again, how do you put that in play? a math equation? I right. just don't, that's right. like, it's so missing for me. Like, are there injuries? Like what's, what does the game look like? What's the weather like? And I've seen like the everything today, like according to whatever math they use, there was like a less than half percentage chance uh, on each decision, like win, lose, like go for it, be like, kick the, kick the field goal. And I get all that. But like I said, I just, like I think in real life, using everything that's going on, I was appalled at that last night. I, I like I said, I feel bad for Detroit. It's going to be really hard to get for that get to that spot for them uh, in the years to come because it was really hard this year. Um, and they had some upsets to get there. Like they didn't have to play Dallas. The Philly like shot all over themselves. Like you had a chance against a way better team to score that upset. You just never know. Like you think these windows are open for teams and sometimes they just like straight up never get back. And I would feel bad if that's Detroit, but I fear that's that's what's coming for them. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I um yeah, I I, I asked you the line. I hadn't looked at it. Minus two seems um it's lower than I would have guessed. I would have guessed maybe like somewhere around four um for San Fran. But yeah, we'll see if that moves. Two weeks, a lot can happen, a lot of movement. So we'll see which way it goes. Right. I just don't see how it doesn't end at three if it starts at two. Like it just makes yeah. too much sense to get two and a half, three. But either way, lost, lost in all the incredible football uh, was some golf. And I I don't, I, I got to be honest, I didn't catch a ton of the weekend golf, like the Friday, Saturday rounds at the Farmers. Like I obviously know the outcome. I do want to get into one of the controversies at the end of the tournament, but I almost want to talk like more like golf in general for me, like some big pieces of news coming out some interesting trends. And then obviously like the, the Pebble beach is pretty fun. So I'm excited to get into that. But question, have you seen the Pavon uh, stepping on the rough behind his ball on 18 video yet? And do you think I he cheated? Not. I did. Oh not see man. No. There is a, there is a video out. I think it's the, the um, Monday caddy, like the month. What is it? Monday Q Monday, PGA or whatever. Q, yeah. yeah. Um, where, on the 18th hole, and, and I think if I'm getting the situation correct, he was uh, Matthew Pavon, the, the Frenchman, um, wins the Farmers, um, is up one shot on 18, which is a par five. Him and Nikolai Hoygaard, uh, I think Hoygaard on the green uh, in three with a makeable birdie putt. Pavon in some heavy rough, uh, some heavy rough, uh, Going for the green, I believe, with sort of a, a question as to whether to lay up uh, and try to play 
am I wait, maybe it's his third. Is it his third in the rough? And he's sort of going to the green for his to to make a birdie putt there. I that's that's correct. That's a long way of getting to his third shot is in the heavy rough. Pretty risky shot to go for the green and give himself a chance at birdie. Smarter play is to sort of uh sort of lay up and play for a par there. Rough playing, heavy, thick, wet, like all week. Um, and he ends up uh making that shot uh onto the green, hitting a pretty good one and making a birdie to to win the tournament against uh Hoygaard's birdie with that one stroke lead. Um, but I noticed in real time uh that, that ball of the rough seemed to catch and grab quite a bit on the green. Um, for a shot that was in the rough and the video that I think you're looking at now, right. Is, is on Twitter of him right before that shot, taking a few curious steps right behind his ball, uh, suggesting that he may have tapped down or, or stepped, stepped down on the rough behind his ball, which would obviously made the lie a lot easier for him. Let him get more club on that, make him spin the ball a little bit better. Uh, I know you just saw it for the first time now. What do you think? First, it's first hard, impression. It's hard Watched for me it to 500 tell. times. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to, the, the clip that I'm looking at is just showing him like kind of looking um, at the shot, but it doesn't actually show him hitting the ball. So I can't really see the rough is so thick. I can't actually see where the ball is and how closely he's stepping to it. Um, so I don't know, but yeah, um, it would be interesting to see like the full video of him then lining up the club afterwards because that would give me a little better idea. But yeah, that's interesting. I mean, especially with rough that thick, you would not I didn't see the shot, but you would not expect the ball to to grab on the green like that. Um yeah, I don't know. That's that's interesting. I didn't I did not know about that until just now. So um that was on what, seventeen eighteen? That's on eighteen, yeah, coming in. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And like, there's obviously no proof. And I will say from the back camera, like from the, the, from the camera you see on TV during every shot, pretty much, uh, you can't really see the ball. Like it still looks like a bad rough, but like I said, when, when it hit the green and sort of like stopped, uh, you know, a little bit versus hitting and running through like every other shot that did sort of give me a little bit of pause, but I was like, wow, he just hit it like perfect in a big spot. Right. But again, like so stepping sideways that, I mean, like that, like that was a uh, little, it just looks a little sketchy to me. So the, I French. just read the comment. And he's the French. comment from Monday Q also is, and and he's right about this. Like you, I, again, I can't see the ball, but he said that last step is looks purposeful, and I agree right. with him. Like like it's not like a normal like gate. Like he looks like he's like step like pressing yeah. on something kind of. Um, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I've played with yeah. guys who do that, and it's like <laughs> it's acceptable if we're playing weekend golf. Like you know, I'm not trying to like hack this out two inches, but man, right. it looks it looks questionable in an otherwise like. <laughs> Pretty, uh, like I said, I didn't watch a ton of the Saturday action, uh, not a ton on Friday. I watched Wednesday and Thursday quite closely, as you know. Uh, yes. Amazing, like top fifty sweat down to the wire there. <laughs> um, but like a like an all like DP World Tour like Saturday for the most part. Um, but sort of gets into the bigger point that I think that tournament signifies. And there was something on Twitter about this. We've had uh, four tournaments, four winners. All of them uh, 100, 100 to 1 or uh, steeper in the odds this year. And I know we've hit on this point like 500 times already, so I don't want to say it, but like just incredible that we go from that and we go from four winners outside like the, whatever the top probably 50 in the betting odds for all of these tournaments uh, to an 80-man field where pretty much like all the top 40 prices are near even money, which was crazy to look at. 
Uh, and it just makes no sense. It makes no sense. Again, I say, I feel like I say it every week, so we don't have to go super into it, but like, God, like some of these storylines are just impossible now with, with such a limited set of guys. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, it's been a crazy stretch and, and some great stories, obviously too. Um, I think not to go on, not to have too bold of a take here, but I think this is probably the week that it comes to an end. Just, we have not seen, um, a, I mean, almost everybody's like chalk like or, short, or yeah. shorter, but yeah. uh, so that's not really a bold statement, but, uh, th- this is also like the significantly strongest field that we've seen and it's cut down. So it's like even more, you know, pretty much everybody is, is pretty short odds. So, and which is exciting, you know, this field historically, at least over the past few years has been pretty bad. Um, so now to have it as a signature event, uh, it's playing a little bit differently than it has in years past. We'll get to it. I'm sure in a little bit, but uh, two courses instead of three this time, the program is getting cut down, I believe as well. Only the first two days. Right. Yep. So um, Saturday and Sunday should be just professional golfers, get the amateurs out of there. And um, yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, we'll get into that more, but I did want to hit on one final thing in the uh, in the golf world. Uh, a big day in the TGL as a Boston Common member, Tyrrell Hatton, uh, signs a deal with Liv. Uh, very excited to see him and Rom. Uh, this was sort of rumored for weeks. It was sort of between him and Wyndham Clark. Uh, I'm thrilled for Hatton with a live, live mic. Uh, a little sad we won't be seeing him at like the waste management and like out here, like at some of these tournaments. Uh, but your thought on the Hatton's move, uh, your thoughts on how Rory McElroy's team is in disarray for the TGL, like just, just incredibly bad captainship by him. Um, and definitely a stinging blow for the, for the Boston common crew, um, most importantly, but yeah, your thoughts on that, that overall. Yeah. They, uh, Tough day for the Boston Common crowd. Uh, I texted you earlier. They're, they're rioting in the streets. Just a huge, huge loss for them. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate to see Hatton go. But if anything, um, I think I'm, I'm almost like kind of happy about it because I think that obviously Rom, like a huge piece, Hatton, another pretty big piece in terms of like personality. And they just keep stacking up these guys now. We're like the top of the bottom of live is obviously still shit, but the top is like, it's super strong. They have like these eight top, like eight to 10 guys that you like are guys that you want to see play against each other. Like on a week to week basis, I was listening to Pat Mayo show today. And then we're talking talk about literally the only thing holding live back now is just the fact that people don't know what their schedule is and like yep. how to access their product. Like that. And, and if anything, I, I think that this hopefully just brings them one, step closer to like figuring something out. Like if it's just going to be what, however it's going to look like, you know, um, getting them OWGR ports, getting them to, to be able to do some like cross field events or, or letting live like take over the fall swing or whatever they, it is, it's going to be to get these guys to play together um, more often than four times a year. You know, I, I, I just hope it's one step closer to that. So I, I'm actually kind of happy with the move and I, and I just hope that honestly, I hope that guys kind of keep going, not to help out live really, but to to kind of force the the hand and, and get yes. a decision decision made more quickly, you know. So if anything, I, I hope it kind of puts um a little bit of a accelerant on that, if anything. Yeah, I think the I think we'd both be in agreement that like the best case scenario is everybody plays together whenever they want to, which would be um, you know, for the for the PGA, the majors, obviously, and the signature events. 
but I would love for live guys to be able to freely bounce from, from tour, like, you know, from tournament to tournament based on their preference, which I think was like the motivating factor for Greg Norman's whole crusade for Phil Mickelson's whole crusade that like all these guys should just be able to enter whatever tournament, wherever they want, whatever like league or whatever, uh, and, and do that as like individual golfers. And that I think like to them and to the viewer is the best case scenario. Like, you know, all the big names will play the four majors. They will play all the events that I'd say people actually want to watch. Like I, you know, there's only, there's only a few people that are watching like the farmers on like Saturday morning. Like that's a, that's a very, that's like the loyal hardcore golf people. But that makes up what I think is like half or less of like golf's total viewership. Um, so when the rest of the half, the other half, the majority of viewers want to get involved, they should be drawn to get involved like as best they can. And you said it right. Like, uh, you know, I'm scrolling down the odds board for like the, the AT&T pebble and like the, the last person on this list is somebody that I've seen play like Davis Riley. Like I've seen Davis Riley play. I've seen him hit the ball. I know what he looks like. I've seen him play in tournaments. Uh, and like, I, th I think you and I are in like the upper echelon of like golf fan, like knowledge, I would say. And if you told me like the last person in live circuit, like I have never, I don't know who they are. I've never heard them, their name. I've never seen them hit a shot. I have no idea who they are, what they're about. And that's always going to be tough. Like everybody's going to know like one, two, three people on every team, but then you're going to be watching on like a Saturday on God's God knows what app and see, you know, some like schlub from like the Asian tour, uh, you know, that you've never seen play. And it's going to be tough to hold your attention for that. Even though right. you want to see like DJ Brooks, Bryson, Phil, Hat, and Rom, like all of those guys, I want to see, like, those are some main draws for me. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think, again, I mentioned that I was listening to Mayo show. And if you don't follow, um, Jeff Feinberg, he's a good a good follow on Twitter. And he appears on that show pretty regularly, but and he's been I've been listening to him make this point probably for the past year or so. But I but I think it's very valid. Is that yeah? You you have your like upper echelon of like golf fans who are like fanatics and super into it and and are going to be into it regardless. Um, yeah, and I think you and I fall into that category. But to be honest, I did not know that Live was opening up their season this weekend until today. Yeah, and I feel like that's a like that's an issue, right? Like. And, and, and his point has largely been, um, you know, there's the fanatics, which I think even make up less of a percentage, um, maybe like five to 10%. And the rest of the golf watchers are like old, older people who have been tuning into CBS at 3 p.m. on a Sunday for like 40 years because they just know that that's when they're going to find the PGA Tour tournament and then they're going to be able to watch it like they 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 don't know about live they don't know where to find it they aren't going to watch it um because it's just it's it's not the the um traditional way that they've come to watch golf i think and i think and i think that's the biggest problem that they have it's not talent anymore like you can argue i mean really not probably top to like top to bottom i think the pga as a whole as a tour is more complete and talented um but top heavy i you have to live is live is stronger. They have better players. They have the start, like the best players in the world now uh, minus a couple. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's, they're far off from, from kind of being able even to, to compete with the PGA tour if they could fix that stuff um, or hopefully just merge and figure out a way for both of them to, 
to do well. Yeah, I'd say you and I are pretty tech savvy too. Like I know we're not like super like young crowd, know every single thing, but like I know how to use an app and I know how to like get to things that I want to get to. Uh, I straight up don't know how to get to live yet still. Uh, not not because I don't know how to function it, but to your point, they haven't announced it. Um, I I am a strong follower of live, like more, I'd say more than the average person. And you're just saying they're opening the field or they're opening their their season this weekend is the first I've heard that. And I follow them on Twitter. Uh, I follow the news. Um, I did not know that still. And that's not it for them at all. All right, man. Yeah, that was pretty good stuff. But yeah, on to this week. On to this week. Uh, I'm I'm actually, for all the bad stuff we just said about the limited field and about that theory, uh, real excited to see a stacked field in such an iconic venue. Um, we're at Pebble Beach. We're at Spyglass Hills for the AT&T Pro-Am. Uh, you mentioned it, a Pro-Am, but this time you're going to get like actual real AMs, like real celebrities, real athletes. Um, I will say very annoying uh, on Thursday and Friday when you're tuning in and you're only watching celebrities hit golf shots. Uh, you know, I'm as excited as anybody to see like Larry Fitzgerald and uh, I don't know, Larry David and those guys like, like hit shots, but you will see Tom Brady will be there as well. Oh shoot. So you're getting, you're getting some real star power, which is cool. Um, but you will be getting very little real golf, uh, when they show it this weekend. Um, which is unfortunate uh, because the rest is like super iconic, like Pebble Beach, probably the most beautiful course in the world, Spyglass Hills, like of that same elk. Uh, for overall, we sort of dealt with it um, at the last Pro-Am, but we're not getting U.S. Open Pebble Beach this week. Um, everything going to be dulled down a little bit. Uh, rough is still going to be, I think they said between one and three inches, which is longer than your usual Pro-Am. Um, but the fairway is like a little wider, like the rough a little less penal. Um, it should be a little easier conditions for the guys. Uh, I know, I don't know if it was this year or past years, but Jordan Spieth like described this event at this venue. Uh, is you just it's a dart throwing contest, and whoever makes the most putts wins. And I think that's going to be correct. Um, I don't know if you agree with me, uh, but we got two of the shortest tra- shortest tracks uh, on the circuit this year, with the the tiniest greens uh, on tour, and. Uh, we played, me and you played Pebble Beach this Saturday or this Sunday uh, on the simulator. Um, I can attest the greens are very tiny. It was actually laughable. Like some of the approach angles were to like literally three to five feet of like green on both sides of the hole. Uh, so that part will be difficult. Um, but the rest, uh, from what I'm thinking, not exactly going to be like a crazy tough challenge for these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um... You mentioned the short, uh, you know, the, the, it's interesting. The, the greens are um, super small. I think Pebble Beach has the smallest greens um, of any course to play on tour. And I think Spyglass is like the fifth smallest, something like that. Um, but it's actually, I don't believe it, it plays somewhere like around in the middle um, on tour in terms of like greens missed. Um, and that's because that kind of alludes to like the shortness of the course, right? So those guys like typically just have a very short iron um, in hand. So they are not um, missing greens all that much. Although, uh, and the putting is also very difficult. Um, there's certain guys that putt here, re- putt really well here. Um, and there's other guys that just have a really difficult time um, figuring these greens out. So um, it's interesting, you know, Ed mentioned a lot of the the history that we have here. I mean, they, they, they play this course every year 
um at this tournament but it also is frequently like a u.s open uh course we had it uh for gary woodland's u.s open win back in 2019 we saw um and then multiple times within the past like sort of 20 years or so um and and it does play differently but but with the field being so strong this weekend a lot of the history that you get for a lot of these guys where in previous years this would be an event that they would probably skip um, now being an elevated event, you are seeing this elevated field and, and a lot of the history that you're seeing or the course history that you're seeing is at U.S. Opens where they, they haven't really played here in the, in the other years. So kind of take that with a grain of salt. It is, as Ed mentioned, going to be set up a little bit differently. But um, I think if you, you know, this is a pretty sticky course history place. So you have your guys that play well here and, and those are the ones I'm going to be looking at. Yep. And l- sort of lurking in the background and what another staple of Pebble Beach is I'm sure there are a ton of YouTube clips and, and uh, you know, old tournaments where you're going to see guys in rain jackets with the wind like gusting in their face, you know, hitting seven iron into like the hundred and five yard like par three. Um, the wind could be a factor. The the early reports don't see it being like a destructive like factor. But I, I do remember either last year or the year before. Uh, in the survivor pool, I remember I went entirely chalk and they just happened to be in the wave like morning afternoon uh, where the wind was whipping and all of my guys got eliminated because it was just such a difference maker. It doesn't look like it's going to be that, but it's always a possibility being on the ocean. Um Spyglass is a little tougher than Pebble Beach, but neither one of them are super tough. Uh, both very short. Um, from what I've read, Spyglass will favor the bombers like a touch more, uh, even though it's shorter just because pebble has so many like like weird angles where guys are forced even if the hole is like not penal like still forced to play dry or play less than driver um just because they will drive it through most of the fairway spyglass a little more like on the bomber side but still most shots for these guys the entire weekend is going to be like 125 like 140 and in um so it is about hitting greens uh it's about putting um but again, like, you know, for our purposes, we're looking top 50. We just have to avoid 30 duds. Like that doesn't seem hard in this field. Like I sort of thought these would be like the more tricky events, but you know, I'm looking at this field and I'm just like, man, like I got to say some guy I'm not going to use just so I don't jinx myself. But like, all right, you want to go with like a Tony Finau right now who doesn't have great course history here. Doesn't like the game doesn't quite fit like from a profile point of view. Um, you should still feel pretty good about that because I'm looking down and like trying to go to like the 30th guy up and like Brendan Todd and Nick Dunlap and uh, you know, guys like that. You just like Finau's chances to finish above them and that's all they got to do. So uh, I don't know if I'm, I'm underthinking this in terms of difficulty, but I'm actually like for the first time in a little bit, I feel pretty comfortable about this board. I feel pretty comfortable about picking a survivor pick and I'm actually like sort of confident and you will see that in the unit size coming up too. Wow. Okay. A little bit preview there. Um, yeah. So going back to your comments about the um, like, you know, the course is being very short to sort of mitigates like driving distance, driving accuracy a little bit. You mentioned it about a lot of guys going to be pulling less than drivers. So that's kind of dictating like who the guys that I'm on this week. And, and I'm kind of going back to some guys that, that burned a lot of people last week, you know, you know Tory and, and Pebble beach, very different golf courses. There's certain guys that had been playing well uh, going into the tournament last week that a lot of people were on just because of recent form that just did not fit the course. I, I think do fit here. 
Um, and so, you know, the, the PGA tour is interesting. You like can't always, can't be afraid to go back to guys that, um, didn't have a great week the previous week before. Cause a lot of it is about course setup. Um, but yeah, I, I just, um, we'll see. I'm, I'm on a lot of, um, guys like that. I don't know about you when you check the odds today, but there, again, like when we record on Mondays, there's just not a ton available. So a lot uh, of my no, plays, no matchups, kind of, um, no stuff like that. No matchups, that was disappointing. Yeah, nothing, Nothing like that. Just some uh, a lot of top twenty stuff, and uh, I got a couple guys, a couple winners. We'll see if uh, if that pans out. But nice, nice. All right, I'm interested. I'm interested in that. Let's let's get into it. You wanna you wanna lead off? I will lead off. Yes. All right. Um, what do I want to start with? Okay, I'll start with. Uh, I have a top twenty parlay, um, three legs. Um, it's one of the pre-mades. On this DraftKings? is not one of the premiums. Okay, nice, I, nice. I made this one up myself. Yeah, right. I just feel like the um, – I feel like they're, like, trying to get you with the premiums. I don't know why. Like, they're intentionally, like, sticking guys together when one, they think one of them. I don't know. I just – I don't trust it. I prefer just to, like, cook up my own. But, uh, yeah, so, I okay, I went with uh, – one guy I'm very high on this week is Max Homa. Um, and then I have – I mentioned somebody that burned a lot of people last week, Eric Cole. I, I think that he just was not a good fit last week, but I I think he's a very good fit this week. Um, he's going to lose strokes off the tee quite a bit. Um, and I just don't think that's, that's going to matter here. Um, so I think he's going to return to that like great form that we've seen um, over like the past, however long it's been a long time. And then my last one is JT Poston. So those three, Max Homer, Cole and Poston all in the top 20. Uh, it's plus 1031, 1031 odds. Uh, risking twenty five dollars total payout, uh, two eighty two, eighty five. All right. Sorry to go dollars and cents on you there. <laughs> That's okay. I've been uh, I've been rounding it up, so we'll just keep we'll just keep doing that. I I, I like that a lot. Yeah, Poston's the worry there. Like I, the first two guys you named, like I'm I'm, you know, I don't personally have them in my play, but my plays, but like both of their fits specifically. Like, I feel like this, this is a great, like Cole spot. Like you're right. Like when he, when he has to bomb with these guys, like it's always going to be bad, but he doesn't really even have to hit driver this week at all to, to succeed. So you like him in those, those spots. Um, yeah, Homa, I have my, I have my issues with, but not, not a lot, not to like uh West coast kid. Um, I got a top 20 parlay too, but it's one of the pre-cooked ones. And as you were sort of describing them, like, all of them look so tasty. Like they feel so obvious. Like this one felt so obvious that I feel like I'm being tricked, but I I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna go against my instinct and take it. And it's a top 20 parlay, three legs, Rory McElroy, Justin Thomas, Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, and they have that at five and a half to one. And I'm gonna put $50 on that. Oh. Um, and I, I know Rory hasn't really played in the States yet, but it's been playing great on the DP tour. Tommy mm -hmm. Fleetwood actually just got a win on the DP world tour a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and then JT will come up in another one of my bets, but I think this is a great, great spot for him. I, I know I'm putting a little bit too much, probably too much faith in him, uh, with a limited sample size of sort of looking like the old JT. Um, but I want to be him, be on him before the odds even out. Um, and I'm hoping to do that. So, uh, you'll again, you'll hear his name again later. But that's sort of the big knockout punch for me. I'm trying to get 50 bucks at five and a half to one. Sorry, can you say those names again? It's Rory uh, McElroy, JT Fleetwood. Okay, yeah, I love that. So J JT is a really interesting one to me. His his history at Pebble is is not 
great, but I I really believe he's going to have a, a a solid, very good season this year. Um, it, he seems like like the iron play seems like it's back. He he's one I'm going to be watching very closely this week, um, and I want to be on him like like pretty aggressively. Um, I'm just a little afraid of like the course and and how he's going to um, do here. So I, I, he wasn't a part of any of my plays and I'm going to kind of just watch and see how he does, but, but I'm very interested by him and I'm very big on um, Fleetwood this week. I think he's going to play very well. I think he's going to finish very high. Um, yeah. Ed meant Ed alluded to it, but yeah, make sure like a lot of these guys like Rory or Fleetwood, where if you're just watching the PGA stuff and finishes, like you're missing a lot of um, data and history. Like these guys have been playing super well over this fall swing at, at these tournaments. And, and just because they haven't been playing a lot of tour events, um, they, they've been having really strong, strong finishes sort of worldwide. So um, the form is there for sure. Okay. Um, my next one is going to be a two win bet. I have two, two to win bets uh, this week. One is a super long shot. Um, and I'm going to go with that one first. This pick was actually inspired by uh, somebody that Ed, Eddie lives with. Uh, who sent in her survivor oh pick God. early this week. You guys are and, suckers uh, on this. I know who it is, but. <laughs> and uh, she, you know, I got to say, very bold to go with this guy uh, to finish in the top 50, but I respect the, I respect the guts and uh, I respect the play. And uh, I think this guy has a chance to play well this week. So I'm going to go uh, Maverick McNeely, uh, 150 to one, $10 total payout, $1,510. And if I hit this, then I'm going to be on easy street for a while. That's don't worry about it, dude. That is not, <laughs> that is not hitting. Uh, I, I haven't asked my wife her rationale for making that pick. And I know we're sort of cheating the pool there, but ain't nobody else going to pick this dude. So you guys are all good. Um, I, I haven't asked yet, but I can almost certainly guarantee, and I can provide you an update if you'd like that her rationale would be like, he is named Maverick and that's a cool name or something like that. I love it because I know she hasn't. I don't think she's watched his his play over the I last. I feel better about this. Six I feel actually better about the play now. Yeah, that one's. <laughs> I you know like he. It's not. It's not totally dead. I wouldn't say, but like one fifty to one's appropriate. So that's a uh, that's ten bucks <laughs> down the drain. Uh, love it, love it. All right, <laughs> I saw. I saw him shook a little bit, man. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'm just gonna go into it. I got a top twenty play. It's one of the few top 20 plays that have any sort of positive odds because of the short field. I'm um, going Kevin Yu, top 20. Uh, two top seven finishes in the last two tournaments he's played. Uh, and when you're not going to have to like over, over like physical people, like, you know, when you can sort of bring a lot of the field into play in a short field, uh, I like his form. And again, wedge, good wedge player. Uh, that's pretty much all you need here. So I'm going him playing hot. Um, we'll trust him to continue the hot stretch uh, in a top 20. That's 260, positive 260, and I'm going 20 bucks on that. Yeah, Kevin, he's been playing well. It seemed a little like fluky, obviously, with the top finish that he had a couple weeks ago, I think. But I think he pretty much is always like historically a great ball striker. He just can never find the putter, although he's been like putting really well um, of late. So just hope that continues. Um, for him there but yeah okay my next one's gonna be a top 20 as well i also got positive odds um i'm gonna go with nikolai hoygaard at plus 165 uh to finish inside the top 20 uh risking 30 dollars total payout 79 dollars and 50 cents so i guess we'll round that up to 80 dollars. risking 39 dollars did i hear no sorry 30 flat 30 oh, oh. all right i got you 
All right, what were the odds on that again? I can go 39 if you want, though. Uh, plus plus 165. Yeah. All right, that dude is such a stud. I I have a I have a little bit of a question if he's not able to put like the driver in play too much, but man, he is he is so damn good. It's it's exciting to see when he plays in the States. So I'm happy we're seeing him more and more. Yep. All right. Don't hate it. Don't hate it. I certainly like it at that price for the top 20, so it's not bad. Um, all right, I'll go, I'll guess I'll go from top 20 to top 10. Uh Patrick Cantley in the top 10 for me. Uh plus 190, putting 50 bucks on that. Um, I've been sort of off him this whole season. Uh, and he's just proven me wrong like pretty much every single week, but not, you know, hasn't really like come through and been in like one of the final pairings or been in like late in TV time on Sundays yet. Uh, that's why I'm not taking him in the top five, not taking him to win, but like too solid for me uh, to to have that price at top 10. So I, I like him there. Um, a West Coast dude uh, who I hope will will get hot with the putter to keep him inside the top 10. Um, okay. Yeah. I like that. I think, feel like kind of, you know, can't let you, I always want to lump Cantley and Xander in the same boat. I think Cantley is just one of those guys also who, um, performs really well in these like no cut events where you can get a full sample size of like four, four rounds guaranteed. And and he's just going to be super solid, um, at, at tournaments like this. So I like that. Okay. I got my next, uh, two win bet. I think Ed's not going to be a fan of either one of my, uh, outright that's oh, this yeah. week but my next one is going to be max homa at 18 right. to 1 15 to pay out 285 um yeah i mean the, he's been playing super well the whole fall swing obviously played very well at the Ryder cup um and had a bunch of good finishes throughout the fall as well um i i, I think he's going to be in the mix here just kind of down the stretch so um numbers a little short on him i was hoping to get something a little bit higher but um, I, I think he's got a good chance to contend and, and I'm wanting it, if he's going to get a win in this California stretch, I want to catch it before it comes to an end. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate that. I don't hate that. It, it uh, it fits a lot. So, um, yeah, good play. I, I don't, I have another to win. It's, it's not him, but, um, I would be very stunned if he's not in contention here, uh, on Sunday. Now, whether he closes it out is sort of the eternal question for him, but, um, I, yeah, I, I would be stunned if he's not. Um, all right. From top 10 to top five, uh, Russell Henley, top five, uh, going Wait, 10, 10 to one, juicy on that. 10, uh, to one? 10 to one on Russell yeah. Henley in the top five. Um, and again, like I keep saying the same thing, but like not going to be limited by not being a long hitter, like very, very good wedge player. Um, and I just like, that's 10 to one for, like I said, a guy that plays well on short courses, played well early in the swing on some of those short tracks, um, so I, I like the odds there. Uh, don't see him winning. And, and obviously there are a lot of good players in this tournament, but like wedge wedges and like short irons only like he's an, he's an elite player. So, um, that's what I'm hoping for. And, uh, at 10 to one, I'm going to put 20 bucks on it. I like that. Yeah. Nice odds on that play. Um, all right. My last one's going to be my, my only big play of the week. I, I alluded to this guy earlier. Um, Xander's just been playing super well the 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 last month or so. I mean, he's um the game is is just so solid. Um again, I don't trust him to to win when it comes down to crunch time. So I'm gonna take him at top in you know, top 20. Kind of soft play, to be honest. Very juiced up, but um odds are minus 175. And I'm gonna risk 175 to win 100. Um 
I just feel very confident that in the play and and I'm willing to to pay up the little extra price for it. Yep. Um I don't hate it. Uh I hate it cuz it's a little soft, but I I don't hate it because it's like uh, not obviously a sure thing. Um right. But like I need, man, I that's just pretty need a, soft. Like that's a pretty easy landing spot there. Well, yeah, anytime you take like a fate like a one of the top guys on the board to finish top 20, like it's very much a cop out. Um, but I just need, I need a big hit Ed, if I'm going to, I need nope, to catch up. No, to I you. got you. I got you. It was a rough week for both of us last week. Um, yeah, minus 90 for me, minus 120 for you. Not, not profitable, uh, as you know, to, to go in from Saturday to Sunday and have that stretch was certainly brutal. Um, I like that a lot. I mean, I know we're in, a, I know we're in a tough field, but like he's at the top of the, the odds board. He's been playing great. Like he's accustomed to that, that area, like, um, third favorite. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. I don't see how, um, that, that should be, that should be safe for you. At least I, I hope not, but I think, I think you're good. Don't chase um, me. All right. Short of, uh, no odds, no odds involved. Uh, Oh, I, I, my bad. I have one last play. I was going to ask who your real winner is, but, um, uh, while you get that queued up, my last play, uh, is it to win play? Um, so I went top 20, top 10, top five to win. Uh, and it's JT. I mentioned him earlier. Um, I just I have a gut feeling like this is sort of the the re-arrival for him. Uh and and the odds like to me a little disrespectful uh to peak JT. Like I, I know he's not proven to be that, but if he has been playing, if he was playing at his, you know, at his ceiling for the last year, I feel like he'd be up in the Xander Hovlin, like Cantley range. So I think he's a little depressed there at 25 to 1. Um, so I'm gonna try to jump on board and hopefully be a little early uh on him in. 25 to one for 20 bucks. I like that. Yeah. Like, like the idea of just being early on guys that you think the play has been trending in the right direction. Right. Especially like a guy of his caliber and his sort of track record. Um, we've seen this happen a lot where like guys we saw with speed. Right. And, and not that he was ever able to return to like what he was, but like, you know, they, there's ebbs and flows and they end up sort of coming back and you, and you want to be on the, the buy low side of, of that before they kind of peak again. So um, no, I don't, I, yeah, I don't mind that at all. Um, and we'll see. I'll, I'll be rooting for that too. I think it's, I think it would be nice to see JT like at least return to, to some, form of of what he used to be um because i think that would be good for golf also um yeah we didn't really mention him but thoughts on speed this week i don't i don't know how i feel he's a, a pebble guy uh i wanted right. no part of it with all these guys in it like i like it better when he's like the leader of the pro-am odds uh when it's a garbage field right um you know certainly think that, again the course like favors him and his creativity um but yeah, there there are a lot of guys I think are going to win this tournament before I think he is. So right, I don't know. That's not exactly playing both sides there, but um, yeah, certainly not a favorite for me. Even though he's a trendy pick, um, I sort of think this is a good Morikawa back, uh, like bounce yeah. back spot. Um, yeah. If he doesn't have to hit driver, which was just all over the place at the Farmers, good bounce back spot for him. Um, really, really curious to see uh, Ludwig in a wedge fest. Uh, I know like he doesn't got the juice, uh, but he's, yeah, I don't know. A good, a good test for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not, I don't, I don't know if it, this course fits him super well. I, I obviously the talents there. I just, 
Yeah, if the, the same reason I don't think I, – I just don't think Rory's going to win. I mean, he, of course, can prove me wrong and maybe look like an idiot, but when driver is your main strength, I just don't think this is the place where you're going to set yourself apart from the rest of the field. I don't think it's Scotty either. I don't I don't really have any, like, concrete reasoning for that. I just don't. Um, so I think my winner, without the odds um, – I think Xander and this guy are equal talent, but I'm not going to go with Xander because I just don't trust him to close out. So I'll, I'll go with Hovland. Um, I, I think he plays super well this week, and and I, I trust him more to finish down the stretch if he's there in contention. So I'll go with him. New swing coach uh, is a yeah. little bit of a concern for me. I don't understand when you're hitting the ball like he was hitting at the end of last year why you're changing coaches. Like it's right. quite clearly working. Um, so that scared me a little bit. I was stunned and very tempted to put like a hundred fake dollars uh, on Scotty when he's not the odds on favorite. I just thought that was insane um, to see him second on the odds board. Um, I hope he uses that disrespect. He'd be my, my actual pick to win. Like it's just been, it's been too fucking crazy ball striking for too long to not get a win. Like he's, he's been saying it forever. Like he is due. Um, but we will see it, it, you know, I would be 0% surprised to be sitting here next week whenever we record and say, Oh my God, Scotty Scheffler led the field in ball striking by a stroke in three quarters and lost by seven shots. Oh, stunner. Again. Yep. Until it's been going on for so long at this point now where it's almost just like, and he needs to prove it to me before I'm going to back him in like an outright market. I feel like just cause you're never getting, you get always getting a terrible price. And even if he's like second, I know it's a little, and he should be first probably in every tournament, but um, uh, it's still eight and a half is pretty short for me. And I just, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, but I would expect him definitely to get a win this year. I think just to be able to predict when it's going to happen is, is tough. Right. When it can happen every single week and doesn't happen yeah. every single week, it's just tough to, like you said, put the pin on and when when it's going to be the time. Right. Um, all right, cool, dude. This was this was a good episode. I think uh we got newsletter coming out tomorrow, surviving.golf.substack.com. Uh tomorrow's newsletter, just for those of you that are still listening at this point, hits on Taylor Swift. It hits on the world wrestling uh entertainment company, hits on the Royal Rumble uh merge. And then I, I, like I said, I think there's a lot to to get to in the, in the opening article there. Um, Scott, if you're listening, thank you for letting me quote you in that. That'll be an interesting quote that you won't expect from, from Scott in the newsletter tomorrow. Uh, a lot of teasers, but uh, good luck everybody this week. Seems like it'd be easy to pick, you know, outside the bottom 30 guys and be safe, but we will see if that, that rings true. Uh, there's been chaos, but it's the pool's already very thin. So like, if you get, you know, if you get a good week, like all of a sudden you're in the final five of ours and and that's, that's pretty crazy. This early we're five tournaments in. Yeah. Um, we'll see if hopefully this, uh, this week helps a lot of people out and, um, a lot of the chalk hits, but yeah, I, I pretty scarred from the first, first four weeks or whatever it's been. So I don't want to make any claims and, uh, be wrong again. So. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Catch everybody next week.